FM Radio for the Agile Community. www.agile.fm Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Agile FM. Today I have Sandy Namoli with me. Her Twitter handle is smamol, M-A-M-O-L, with an S in front of it. She's an uh, Austrian native. Uh, she moved to New Zealand. Uh, you can hear that in a, in a second from her uh, New Zealandish accent. She's uh, worked, she's founded uh, Nomad 8, that is a consultancy based out of uh, New Zealand. She's in Auckland, she's an international speaker. She is an author, for example, of the book How Self-Selecting Let's People Excel. That's from the Pragmatic Bookshelf. That was written in 2015 with uh, David Moore. And uh, last but not least, and this is quite an impressive thing we want to start with, she's an Olympian, um, the sport of handball. Well, first of all, welcome to the podcast, Sandy. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. So the sport is... Um, Handball, uh, that is an uh, indoor um, event. What uh, Olympic Games are we talking about? Which year? We're talking a long time ago. It was uh, 1992 in uh, Barcelona. In Barcelona. Fantastic. And uh, I do understand you do, speak a, you do speak and you work a lot in Europe, uh, Northern Europe, um, etc. So um, you also refer to yourself as a gadget junkie. Yes. Um, so maybe if I uh, just explain um, like why my accent is all over the place and um, how sure. I got to be uh, a gadget junkie with a weird accent. <laughs> I grew up in, uh, in Austria and um, spent the first half of my life uh, as a professional athlete playing handball. And then um, at some point I got offered a contract in Denmark where um, I played for um, about 13 years, and from there I moved on to um, on to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So um, started out with um, with um, professional sports, moved into um, software development, and um, found my love for uh, technology and uh, pursued a career mm-hmm. in technology after my handball career. Mm-hmm. And after that, I found out that um, I had been doing Agile since 2002 or 2003. And it came as a complete surprise to me that um, not the entire world was doing that. I'd been living in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And um, that what prompted me to become an Agile coach. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. The gadget junkie, I, I want to explore a little bit with you. What's, what was the latest, coolest <laughs> gadget you acquired uh, or you're currently aiming uh, to acquiring? I have nothing right now. I just got an iPhone 10, which is now quite old too, but I do like, um, do love the face recognition technology. Yeah. I'm going back, uh, back to remembering just my very first iPhone that I imported from the US that, uh, you had to jailbreak. And, um, yeah, since then I've had that fascination. Wow. Nice. Okay. So you are out of New Zealand. Um, I have myself been to New Zealand. It's a long flight. Pretty much yes. from everywhere in this world you go, and New Zealand is a long flight. Um, isn't isn't consulting from New Zealand as a as a base a, a challenge because of the, um, the the flight times? How are you guys how are you guys doing this down there? Uh, it totally is a challenge, and um, that's also why I don't work that much in Europe, don't work much that much in the states. 
Mm. But um, there are planes and um, everything for us that's one flight away is practically around the corner. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it makes me mainly focused on New Zealand and my work. And then um, I go out and get my fix of the real world and uh, or the rest of the world mm-hmm. by um, speaking at conferences all over the world, attending mm-hmm. conferences, and also doing like short stints when I uh, work for a week or some days somewhere yeah. else in the world. Mm-hmm. So New Zealand is the home of the All Blacks, and let's take this to Agile, right? <laughs> uh, a lot of people and Agile coaches out there use the All Blacks, and obviously, uh, I don't know if it's a dance or it's an opening or a celebration of some sort to uh, kick things off in, a, in an Agile manner, obviously from a funniest perspective. But you did write um, this book, How, How Self-Selecting Lets People Excel. And it's all about self-selecting, not self-organizing. We can talk a little bit about this, uh, the differentiation here a little bit. But um, it's about self-selecting teams. Now, um, obviously, there are the few things I want to learn from you is um, in my in my practical work with clients, there's not much self-selecting um, going on. Let's say, except the initial selecting, I want to join a company uh, through an interview process or something. There is some selection going on. But then once you're inside a company, there's not much self-selection going on. Why is, why is it so important for you to offer to select? Well, I'm a strong believer that um, people do their best work, you know, the most motivated if they can choose what they work on and mm-hmm. who they work with. And um, I've always been puzzled by why this hasn't been um, made possible for people in organizations because They're just some combination of, combinations of people that work really well together in cross-functional teams and others aren't. And the way we usually uh, form teams is that there are managers going, hey, you, 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 or whoever happens to be free at a certain uh, point in time can put them into a team. Mm-hmm. And I think even if they are very often well-intentioned, they have less knowledge than the people who are actually on the teams who they would gel with, who um, they would uh, make a good combination with. So we started at some point, um, David Moore and I started at some point putting that problem to the people in the company. We're, we're in a situation where we said, right, we are going agile, we need to um, have those 250 people and we need to put them into teams. Mm-hmm. And realized we were doing it all wrong with management selection. It was complicated. People were... Um, not necessarily happy where we're going to place them. And I said, actually, you are the people who are responsible adults. Mm-hmm. We trust you to come up with a solution that's better than uh, what we would be able to come up with. Let's go, hey, um, those are the teams we need. How about you tell us who should be in which mm-hmm. team? And um, faci- uh, develop a facilitated process for how to do that because um, just throwing people into a room mm-hmm. and saying, hey, go knock yourself out, probably would not have worked. Yeah, so but why, is it, why is it so important? I mean, like this is um, obviously what, you, what you're describing, putting them into a room. Um, does does uh, the location where people are influence the selection process? Um, let's say somebody's listening to us right now, um, thinking, hey, mm-hmm. I, I work in a corporate environment, all distributed across the globe. How would, you know, like self-selection process um, um, look like this? And, and why is it so important in, a, in an environment like this, right? Um, 
um, yeah, so more like the distributed factor. I don't know if you can comment a little bit on that as well. I mean, there's obviously some limitations to uh, technology, right? Yes. So in general, like my preference is um, when I have a company that's in several locations, I would make fully formed teams at each location and have teams coordinate with each other rather than having individual splits across locations. Mm -hmm. And um, then have a self-selection in each location so um, each of those co each of those can have self-selected co-located teams. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's not possible and we, have, um, we need to have distributed teams. And I know there's a number of companies who've um, taken that approach and uh, have taken that, faci that facilitation approach and just uh, digitised it where um, things happen in different locations and then it's visualised through, for example, Trello or people uh, virtually put their photo into um, the team or the squad they want to be in mm -hmm. and then check in and then have another round mm -hmm. so it does work too um that being said whenever you're not in the same room there is an overhead in communication whether that is work or self-selection mm -hmm. it's doable but there is some overhead yeah there are some um coaches there's even a lot of literature around this to keep teams uh consistent together over a longer period mm -hmm. of time sometimes even across mm -hmm. uh projects how often do you invite for this um, self-selection process and does it does it uh, disrupt these kind of um, consistent teams out there um, yeah I actually agree I think team should team should be stable ish meaning um, if they're together I think there is some uh, stagnation after two years if there's no change mm -hmm. if you rip them apart every uh, every month every two months then um, you'll never get to um, a high performance team um, my preference is to um, enable self-selection every six to nine months where people get the opportunity to uh, move teams. Mm -hmm. That being said, what happens is everyone thinks that if we do that every six months, you've got to, uh, like, you start from scratch. But in my experience, that would be like maybe one team member shifting out, maybe two. Mm -hmm. So it's very little movement. It's just a, um, it's very often a check-in that, hey, everyone's still happy in their teams. Yes. So there is, uh, there is movement, but um, just because people get the chance to do this every six months, mm -hmm. they don't necessarily shift every six months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Good number in my experience is uh, yeah, nine to 12 months. Nine to 12 months, yeah. Um, on, your, on your book, um, on, the, on the product page on, on Amazon, you, there is a statement um, you know, where you make, this is not about self-organization, this is about self-selection. Um, what's the, what's the difference if the listeners out there might just think you know what what's the difference between these two is this another yeah. term is this a subset how would you explain that um, yeah. self-organization happens within the team where a team self-organizes in order to achieve a goal like um, mm -hmm. nobody tells anyone else what to do they self-organize and self-selection is how do you get into the team in the first place? Mm -hmm. how, you do, how do you design or create that team in the mm -hmm. first place? So it's kind of a, um, a level of abstraction higher. Mm -hmm. Do you have any metrics, any kind of evidence around this by, by obviously having done this uh, and applying this concept? Is there anything where you can draw from some of the experience where you can say there is a clear evidence that this self-selection process has a positive impact on XYZ, whatever those variables are. Yeah. 
we have um, we have surveys that we have done with all the companies we've done this with, and mm-hmm. uh, they were mainly around um, employee engagement and employee satisfaction, and uh, those numbers have gone up a lot. Mm-hmm. We have um, tried to measure productivity, but that's always really hard in software development, mm-hmm. especially um, if you go from uh, a situation where you have no teams to self-selected teams, then very often that's the ba- you don't really have a baseline. Um, so there's some indicators that productivity is going up, that people um, get more done. Mm-hmm. Absolute scientific proof, I don't have about that. Yeah. What I do have is uh, the engagement surveys where um, people actually are training up a lot. Yeah, I mean, we, we see it in in a variety of places, right, out, out there working with teams that um, it just makes people more engaged um, by having an option and making their decisions themselves. Um, yeah. Why not on a, on a team selection process, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. Have you ever heard the question... <laughs> Um, and uh, uh, that nobody would select anything, like uh, like the, the fear of management often when they deploy like ideas like this, that somebody might say, what if nobody selects anything? What if nobody on the team would do that? Like that common fear of what if these concepts don't work? What am I supposed to do? Totally. Um, very often then, and I've worried about them too. And... Um, the thing is, they, so there's the worry about the what if we have a team or a squad that nobody wants to work in. And um, first of all, what happens is just because I think something is really boring doesn't mean someone else thinks it's really boring. Mm-hmm. So um, I found that uh, from my side and also manager's side, it's projecting what they don't like that nobody else wouldn't like. So normally it's someone else. What I think is boring, someone else finds super exciting mm-hmm. and wants to do. Some people love to do BAU. I don't. So usually it's not a problem. Uh, once we have uh, had that where nobody wanted to sign up for a squad and uh, it made us re- realise actually we shouldn't have that squad and it was a bad idea to mm-hmm. have that in the first place. Mm-hmm. Have you have you seen a team selection, uh, self-selection process also span like the idea, the concept from, a, from an agile team, let's say, to the let's say, to the rest of the organization. So, for example, um, open space, uh, work assignments, etc. Does that, does that have an impact on other parts of the organization uh, once you start doing this on, a, on an agile team? Yes. Yes, I've seen that spread, and I've seen um, people take a huge interest. Um, I have not seen... Um, and yes, as you say, in our open space and our kind of hackathons that are not necessarily software related. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. What I, mm-hmm. and, and that was great. Mm-hmm. What I haven't seen but would love to see is now that we go, go more into business agility and um, some of our teams are so cross-functional that they are uh, both tech and marketing and legal and, uh, and have a, a wider um cross-functionality and just technology mm-hmm. that they uh, they can be self-selected. Mm-hmm. I have not managed to push it that far. Yeah. And I think that's, um, I think that's basically because in tech we have experimented with uh, Agile for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. So we are riding the edge of a wave and there are other people who are still trying to find the way to the beach. Right. And 
yeah, and we need to help them, and but maybe it's pushing a bit too far to do yeah. anything at the same time. Yeah, so, um, yeah, no, definitely. I understand there's obviously room for improvement. There's other um, things that come into the mix and new industries, right, that uh, might borrow ideas from there. So there's a lot to uh, explore. Do you have, yes. let's say, somebody's listening to this, somebody might be in a, in a traditional management uh, position right now, and they might be intrigued by the idea and want to try it out. Do you have any kind of an... Um, a quick tip and I, I know the the big tip is buy the book <laughs> but the the quick tip of what is a, a good starting point for uh, starting a self-selection process and what needs to be considered what kind of things you would say that is an indicator for you might be challenged with self-selection what maybe something you feel like uh, would be a good starting point I think the one thing I'd start with is um, can you organize a hackathon and if you can organize the 24-hour hackathon where people can choose what they work on and who they work with, and that is a success and people enjoy it, then you're in a good position to mm -hmm. think about self-selection. Okay. Because if they can figure out how to do that for 24 hours, they and their managers will have confidence that it's possible because mm -hmm. they've just done it. So how about we do this, we mm. almost have a hackathon every day and people still get to choose what they work on and who they work with. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's um, an awesome tip. Yeah. So my recommendation would be um, to start with that and then to read the book because I've spent a very long time writing this as a how-to. There's not much theory or anything behind it. It's basically to guide for right. uh, if you want to do this, here's a step-by-step -step guide. Mm -hmm. Right, so that that's an awesome tip uh, within within hackathon. Right, it's also um, a different kind of concept for many many organizations still today. Yeah. We do talk a lot about it, but the implementation of it is uh, uh, very limited outside of our um, group, obviously. But um, yes. what if, like, let's say the self selection process does not go as smooth as possible? Isn't there like a lot of room for personal conflict? Have you seen, observed anything? out of this, just, you know, coming back to the scenario before, what if somebody doesn't yeah. want to uh, pair with somebody or team up with someone or... It's extremely rare. Mm -hmm. um, the whole idea of, oh, that's the, the poor kid in the schoolyard that doesn't get picked, mm -hmm. for example, doesn't happen because um, nobody picks you. So you put your photo, you put uh, your photo to the squad you want to be in, and then you have a discussion like, uh, do you have all the skills? Can you, um, as this group, can you manage to uh, deliver end-to-end -end, mm -hmm. um, and fulfill your purpose? If yes, then your squad is good, but you still have a check-in with everyone else. Um, does that mean that other squads can also fulfill their purpose? Mm -hmm. Or would it be better that you go somewhere else? So right. you have that negotiation, and um, you also do it against the backdrop of uh, is there's actually what's best for the company. Mm -hmm. Because this is not just about self-actualization, it is also about solving a problem for mm -hmm. your company and finding out who should be in which team. It's just you as a team member are tasked with that and not your manager. Mm -hmm. And conflicts actually don't happen. Like there are people who don't want to work with each other. Mm -hmm. and that's fair enough and uh, what I've observed is they, uh, if they end up in the same squad then one takes their photo and puts it somewhere else happens maybe a couple of times and that's fine 
Mm-hmm. They don't need to work together if they don't want to. Right. Well, if you have a very passive approach by moving mm-hmm. pictures around, right, maybe the conflict does not come up at, at all, right? So um, yes. it's like this unspoken thing. It's it's not coming up and we're still picking the best yep. possible teams for us. Um, yes. Yeah, great idea. Um, towards the end of um, our podcast, I just want to connect you, come back to this, uh, to the Olympic Games. You're an Olympian. Um, how how does do you have? I, I know there are some talks you're giving. How does this concept of sport connect to what you're actually describing here in in terms of agility and and what you wrote in your book? Is there any is there any connection between the two topics? I think I think there's actually a huge connection, and uh, that is that uh, it's a small group of people who are driven by a really compelling goal they mm-hmm. absolutely want to achieve, who um, overcome diversity, uh, who overcome conflicts, um, to collaborate to achieve something together. Mm-hmm. So I think there are huge parallels there, and I think um, both areas can learn from each other. And uh, one of the main things that I think is important for um, agile teams is that we are getting good at dealing with failure, but I think we can get a hell of a lot better because mm-hmm. what, an, what an athlete does is we use failure as our fuel. We don't have our medals on the wall. We have uh, a piece of paper in our wallet with the newspaper uh, clipping of when we really lost a mm-hmm. big game. Mm-hmm. And we use that to get us up in the morning and um, to fuel our motivation. So I think that's something that we could learn. Mm -hmm. I also think that um, there are some um, similarities in how to pick a team. Um, When I do self-selection, I recommend people to um, ask themselves, so what can I learn? What can I teach? And what's fair to my company? Mm -hmm. On a sports team, I would go for mainly um, what can I learn or pick the best or be the worst player on the best team that will still accept you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially that's on, how you learn. Yeah, especially on team sports, right? Um, the concepts are um, pretty much they go from one from one to the other. And if you want to see like uh, we're all professionals at work, right, in terms of conflict, decision-making and seeing the bigger goal, and uh, I think the same is true for sports teams, especially when you go to Olympic Games, you have a goal and um, and you want to have a team um, approach to achieving this goal. So selection, the selection process is guided by by a goal. Um, Sandy, I, I want to thank you uh, for carving out some time and talking about this very important topic. I, I hope a lot of uh, folks out there who uh, are in positions of building teams are getting something out of this podcast and uh, they got some tips and if there is one tip and that is uh, that there's also a book creating great teams um, that was written um, from uh, you Sandy and David Mole and that is how self-selecting lets people excel from the pragmatic bookshelf just want to point everybody at the end uh, to that book I'm also going to have it on the show page and uh, I wish you a very nice long flight back home to New Zealand. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. 
If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon. Thank you.